Dady Lady, the book club of love. Actual episode. Welcome to Dady Ladies. Hi, Vera Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. How do you do? Really radical, cool, radical, and really tub- tubular. Yep. I just saw the AARP like had an Instagram ad that explained the meaning of tubular. It's just like fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Yeah. To who? Who uses that? Well, old people do. You know, actually, if old people start <laughs> old people. Who is old anymore? What what is old? Well, it was it was referencing eighties terminology. So people who use tubular in the eighties are are well, that was forty years ago. And I guess if you're using the word, you're at least ten. All right, all right, that's us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Twin Sites of Dady Ladies. It, Here's my twin site. I have a twin site before we get to the book. Yes. Um, I got a dick pic. <gasps> You got a dick pic. Yeah. She got, here she is, Miss Dick Pic <laughs> Receiver. Of course, it's not not a typical story. Not a tip dick pic. Ew. <laughs> it brought up some questions for me. Okay. Well, here's the situation number one. Mm-hmm. As you know, my method for going about app dating is I never. Do you like my soundtrack? I do. Is that Pennywise? <laughs> I'm I'm not proactive. I never like anybody first because it's a waste of my time uh-huh. because no one responds. So I let people hit me up. And this pretty young girl hit me up like she was in her mid-20s. So with everyone else, I just invite them to start the conversation. Mm-hmm. And she got about like maybe one line in before before she told me that it was her and her boyfriend that were looking for a mom actually to be a part of their, their uh, coupling. Wait, so who are they in this situation? Are they siblings? No. What? Oh, oh no, no. I think it's like baby daddy because he's he's my age. Oh, okay. Got and then it. so mom. Anyway, because if you had to take care of two kids, that's a lot. Anyway, I mean, if he's willing to like share half, the you know, actually that is a fantasy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why did you turn this down? <laughs> we drive her to school because I need some me time. <laughs> and just pick if you can pick up dinner before you yeah. come home. <laughs> So, so she didn't let you know that this was going to be a family affair? Well, no. She, I mean, she, we, we very quickly into it, she said something. I said, oh, um, I thought something was up because she was just young. Mm-hmm. And so I, with my infinitely open mind, mm-hmm. you know, responded like, okay, we'll see what happens. So she, she put me through this whole vetting process thing because she said a lot of people that respond to her are creepy old men. Mm-hmm. And then she, so she had me send her a couple photos, like proving that I was me. Uh-oh. And that, she, was she a creepy old man? Well, that was the thing. Like after I sent, like I sent her one, she said, okay, and then do something. Like she wanted me to, sh- she wanted me to prove that it was me. So she gave me an instruction and I, and I followed that. Uh-huh. A simple thing. And then she said, do you want some photos of us? And I was expecting the same thing back, uh-huh. <laughs> but it was not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what photos did you receive well i got a picture of his dick was that the first one no 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 it was a picture of him okay and then a picture of her and but were you like did you give instructions at all no no i okay. just she just said do you want pictures of us uh-huh basically it was like i'll send me pictures of you and then i'll send you pictures of us because okay. i knew what she looked like but not him i see and i'm sure if she was being that careful she must have thought i didn't believe she was her too you know okay anyway so i got a picture of his weenie mm-hmm. um and I did not like it. Oh. It's not that I did not like his body. I did not like having a picture of a stranger's doodle on my phone. An unsolicited dick pic. Well, like, I did not specifically. I mean, 
I guess it's opened up a whole can of worms on like, I don't know, there was there was a feeling of like not getting my consent first before yeah. sending me a photo. Yeah, because you, I mean, you guys hadn't gotten to that point yet. Or was it implied in the fact that I had engaged with her and sent her a photo of me? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know the rules, but that seems like you're jumping the gun. I mean, it's not, I, I was clear, I understood that this was not about having a friendship. Okay, hold on. If you went to a bar where it was known that people maybe would pick up a third Mm -hmm. and you met a couple and you started talking and you started exchanging information, would like five minutes in, would him unzipping his fly and whipping out his wiener be acceptable? Well, look, like, I think... uh, Answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) Because we migrated from the app to my burner phone number... Uh And her phone, whatever her phone number is, it was more like, hey, are you interested in having a threesome? Let's go back to my car for a second to talk. I think that's what it might be more like. (laughs) Not to my home. Okay. And then I'm going to just quickly unzip and and just show you Or perhaps to the pissoir, you know, like, let's go to the bathroom. Okay, so so we're we're at Al's bar. (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, I think it's more like that. Well, there's there's a paragraph in this book that we're about to get to, which is the Autism Spectrum Guide to Sexuality and Relationships, and it goes like this: It's your Facebook as well. So this is talking about digital citizen. Okay, this is a term I hear every day over my my child's Zoom classes: citizenry, good digital citizenry citizenry okay good we have a a siren in the background so i cannot edit this (laughs) it's just gonna go up the way it is it's your facebook as well and you have every right to own your digital space so this is your digital space barbara Mm -hmm. would you let someone rude into your house did you hear that i threw the book down you cannot act in a digital space in a way that you would not act in person. I don't think th- that that is good behavior. So I agree. They dragged you back to the bathroom and said, look at my wiener. The other side of it is look at us trusting you. No, you you were the one who said that a wiener pick is not a prize. Did he have his face next to his wiener? No. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Yes. <laughs> Did she have her face next to his wiener? No. Okay, so it could have been any wiener that they put in your face. I don't know. I'm not comfortable with that. Uh, yeah. Give me their phone number. Okay. Um, uh, the, what happened after you showed you the wiener pic? Oh, so I kind of put things on hold because, you know, just I have a lot of work to do. But it, it, it did make me think more about having it on my phone, actually being in the world of the dick pic, got me thinking mm. about what Sheila said in our interview with her a couple weeks ago about wanting to see the goods. The goods. It was so shocking to me that she would say that. And I've been processing that information, trying to make sense of it, mm. because it's always seemed to me like something that you do to assault somebody. What do you mean? Oh, sending Like a- when you send a dick pic, it's oh. an act of aggression. Oh, and right. then to, to hear her say she wanted to see some, but because, but here it is. Here's uh-huh. the thing that I was not able to get over and process is that if you request a dick pic mm-hmm. and they someone sends it to you, how could you reject that person? Like, what do you do in that case? That is interesting because if you request it and then they send it to you, that could be a very vulnerable act. Especially if, if your anatomy is, is something that you're sensitive about. Wow, I've never thought of it in those terms. You're frowning a lot right now. I don't, it's just things are so complicated. Yeah. Would you ever, like, if you if you did follow up with these people, 
Is there a point in the midst of rolling around in your boudoir that you would like actually take your phone out and be like, I'm sorry, I just need to make a comparison. I need to make sure that you weren't, <laughs> you didn't lie. Yeah. Would you, would anybody ever do that? Would every, anybody ever be like, I, I just, I'm sorry, I just got to check. Did you get dick fish? <laughs> well, I mean, am I not understanding this at all? Maybe that's like... Could it be any, I don't know, Vera? I don't know. We're going to have to think about this. This is all very new. I've never thought about this. Yes. Olympics. And I, I really need the input of other people on this one. Okay. Because there's, I can, I can think about this till my face turns blue, but I think I need other people's experiences. And I'm not talking about fucking Reddit. I need actual human beings to tell me, their, <laughs> tell me about their lives. Okay. So there you go. Uh, listeners of Dady Lady, we need you to. We need. What? Did you say we need? <laughs> We need you <laughs> to weigh in on, I don't know, just thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Right? About, thoughts and feelings and experiences. Yeah. Thank, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So we're going to get to our book. We promised. Here we go. Whoop. Hi, Vera Elizabeth. We already did that, right? Yeah. Well, we're doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Barbarian. <laughs> Vera Elizabeth, I'm gonna I'm gonna call this our most ambitious book to date. Is that right? Yes, it's okay. the Autism Spectrum Guide to Sexuality and Relationships by Dr. Emma Goodall. Understand yourself and make choices that are right for you. Now we picked up this book. I picked out this book. Yeah, a couple of things. I watched the documentary Love on the Spectrum. I watched it too. It's incredibly touching. Yeah, and I watched that documentary because I was talking to my therapist about my children, and as everyone knows, I have triplets. <laughs> yeah, and some of my many triplets have gotten an ASD diagnosis, autism spectrum disorder diagnosis, when they were very young. And in fact, they were being monitored from the time they were born because they were two months early. And I didn't know what they were monitoring for, but apparently autism is common for preemies. Mm -hmm. So at a very young age, at a year and a half, they got that diagnosis. So it's something I'm very interested in and I'm learning about. And I have to acknowledge that I know next to nothing mm -hmm. about it. It's incredibly complicated. Yeah. There's a lot of politics, not politics. There's a lot of um, misunderstanding. And then there's, there's different schools of thought about it. And I'm just going to say off the bat that for anyone who's tuned in because they are on the spectrum, please, I'm acknowledging right now that I'm a newbie to this and I don't know enough to speak on it. I'm just going to focus on the book with my sister. So my kids have a high-functioning ASD diagnosis. And if anyone's curious as to what that looks like, uh, here's them reading the title of this book, having seen it for the first time. Dr. Emma Goodall. It's by Dr. One Dawson and Jeannie Perkett. Is that the right? Yes. And what does the title say? The arms written the truth. That's you they see it. You have to understand yourself and make choices that are right for you. That's true. How old are you guys? Four. What about you over there? How old are you? Four. Okay. Well, good job. That is inspector of guidance. So yeah, so basically in my situation, just a little backstory, they 
started reading when they were two and it, it manifests. They were diagnosed because of um, at one and a half, there's not much they can base it on, but they based it on eye contact mainly. The kids were not interested in these people who, quite frankly, I was not interested <laughs> in either. <laughs> <laughs> they, they. This is how I. I knew they were being monitored. I'd take them in every six months to have these high-risk infant follow-ups, and then at a year and a half. And this is just some context. I'd. They were born two months early. I lived with them in the hospital for a month and a half. I came in to hold them, and they were. Uh, the first time I saw them, I wanted to cry. I didn't want to cry in front of you, but it was so scary. They were just so tiny, and. I would go in and just hold them just for an hour, just so they would have yeah be held. And it's like Oceania's head just was like in the palm of my hand, like I was holding a an apple or something. Like yeah. it was crazy. They were tiny, tiny little guys. My littlest guy was under three pounds, and the other two were between three and four pounds. Yeah, it was like it was unreal. I, I'll never forget like seeing him. The very first day, the nurse came and sat him up. He was laying in his little bed, and he looked like a Henson creature, the way he moved his arms. And the thought in my mind was, I cannot take a picture because if he dies, I don't want this to be the only image I have of him. Yeah. I mean, they, they were inside babies on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. It was very difficult. And then the, the way I approach most things, I was like, I'm going to live at the hospital. Nothing is going to get in my way. I'm going to like, you know, it, it's. I'm not saying that's the healthiest way to go about it, but I was like... That's what I felt like I needed to do. So it was very intense. I had I had people come, you know, you and a few other family members come in, but it was, I think it was very taxing for everybody. And I just had to be in like hyper vigilant mode and yeah. it, it changed me. Like You know, I was just thinking like um, for everybody bitching about wearing masks, it's like when I would go in to visit, you would have to put on a gown, you'd have to put on a mask, you'd have to have your hair back, you'd have to, it's like you mm-hmm. had to be in the sterile environment and that was their first six weeks. I just remember seeing the nurses like if they were handling anything that had to do with a baby and they dropped it on the floor that thing whatever it was went straight into the garbage (laughs) and I washed my hands and use sanitizer probably 30 times a day so yeah so we got out and I was able to stay home with them but you know like it was just I constantly had people in my house it's very distressing to like try and navigate having these three premature kids their dad and I were not on the same page Uh, a year into it we realized you know not going to work at a year and a half I went in for their final high-risk infant follow-up we did a couple tests and then these two doctors just looked at me and said yeah it's what we thought they have an ASD diagnosis like no there was no prep for this I don't even think that they'd mentioned that before during any of these tests and it yeah the bedside manner was like what like I hadn't I didn't even know what this was did they high five and exchange five dollars like yeah I got it yeah I mean that's what it felt like like we did our job we I, I don't know I mean in some ways it's been a blessing to get a diagnosis that early that's kind of the the best thing possible is to get the early diagnosis so you can have early intervention right exactly yes although the more you read like oh my gosh this is so complicated like certain interventions are considered really damaging in the autism awareness community you know by adults who have that diagnosis i can't even start to go into that but um, anyway, yeah, that week I got that diagnosis on a Monday. On Tuesday, I got a bee sting. I'm allergic to bees. And that Wednesday, we went to go bury a friend of ours, a very young man. Oh, yeah. His name is Jarrett Chupo. If anyone, this is just our little side note because we love Jarrett so much and we never really talked about him. Mm-mm. But his parents are Arlene Klasky and Gabor Chupo. And if you ever watched any Rugrats or Real Told Monsters, by, is Ginger, Told by Ginger, yeah, yeah. Rocket Power. 
Yeah, pretty much Nickelodeon in the 90s. Klasky Chupo created all those shows and Jarrett was their son. And we used to go visit Jarrett in the hospital because he was, he'd had issues with his liver since he was born. Yeah. And he was such an amazing kid. We, we would go and visit him in the hospital. The children's hospital. When, yeah. When he was like, uh, he was about 14, 15. Yeah. One time I went to go visit him and he, he goes, I said, can I bring you anything? And he goes, oh, just come wearing a nurse outfit next time. <laughs> You're such a brilliant, funny kid. So we'd purchase these like little sexy nurse costumes for some performance or something like yeah, that. Yeah, photo shoot or something. Yeah, we had like real stethoscopes and like the the masks. Yeah, and 1940s like little hats. What? Yeah, when when uh, the pandemic started, I was like, I already have a yeah. mask. <laughs> So we put all that stuff on and put on like overcoats and stuff and went to the hospital. We, we walked through the children's hospital, which was prior to your kids being born. It was the last time I'd been in a children's hospital. You mm-hmm. know, you walk past these little beds and these little cribs and it's really, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So we get to his room sort of in the back there and he's in bed. He's in his bed. And there's Arlene, <laughs> his mom, <laughs> sitting there <laughs> and talking to someone. And so we're like, fuck. <laughs> Uh, and so we sat down by his bed and he's like yellow he's having a hard time and he's asleep and we're kind of like being respectful and you know talking in low voices and Arlene starts talking to the person she's with and then Jarrett like opens his eye and goes you said you'd come dressed as a nurse (laughs) so then we slow like try and angle ourselves (laughs) open up our coats like a couple of flashers yeah. <laughs> he was such an amazing guy yeah didn't we take our stethoscopes and listen to his heart and then he said lower <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you cheeky little guy oh my god you're such a sweetheart yes so he eventually succumbed to his illness and uh, um it was just awful and so his funeral is on a Wednesday and I went to it and I went back to work and I lay down for a second and when I woke up it was the end of the day and I got in my car and started driving and then all of a sudden I went what the fuck is happening to me uh there must have been some drug in like a brownie I ate at his service or like I could not process it and what had happened was I was having a panic attack Mm. I barely made it back to work um, I called an ambulance. I thought I was dying. I had no idea what a panic attack was. But I, so there was a lot of things that happened that week. But one of them was I'd gotten this diagnosis that I was completely unprepared for. And the stigma attached to the word autism, I think, is if, you, if you've done no research, I think, actually, I, I think there's, there's a lot of negativity surrounding that. And I'm, I know that that was part of my, like, I did not know what to expect in the future for well, my kids. Yeah, I mean, people, there's a whole argument against vaccinations that it causes autism. People would rather have their kid, you know, get smallpox and die than mm-hmm. be autistic. Yep. That's kind of crazy. I'll also s- say right now that I was, um, I've become, you know, in, in reading this book and in trying to educate myself about ASD, I found some Instagram accounts I've been following and stuff. And one mom who has um, children with that diagnosis recently posted something about, you know, what what it's like for a parent. And she wrote about grieving for their her children. And she, there was a huge backlash against that because of how awful. Like, there is something to having your world potentially turned upside down with a diagnosis that you don't understand. Sure. And it's such a, I don't know, I'm just trying to acknowledge that there's such an 
it's just such a tricky situation to acknowledge how this affects you as a parent and how to be respectful to the community and whatever else. So I'm just, I don't know. To sum up, I don't know shit about, you know, honestly, <laughs> I don't know enough. Yeah. So I think about my kids a lot and what, what their lives are going to be like in the future. That's kind of why I picked up this book. But once I picked up this book... I think this is probably the most straightforward book we've had about how to conduct look, yourself. <laughs> look, this is how I feel about this book. This book should be like when you were born, they should hand this book to your parents and go, this is the manual for life. <laughs> yes. Just whenever they can start reading, or maybe, you know, it's like maybe when they're three, four, you start reading at bedtime, mm -hmm, you start mm -hmm. reading these paragraphs so that you're little human child can understand what it is to be a human being. Yes. That's what this book is. It is for absolutely everybody. I learned so much about myself reading this book. I love hearing you say that because I also I feel like I identify more with this book because, you know, th with this pandemic and stuff and having not been in a relationship for so long for the first time in my adult life, I feel like I'm kind of coming at relationships from, you know, from an infancy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought maybe it applied more to me no. for that reason. Yeah. No. <laughs> OK, well, so, so let's jump right into it then. Well, the first thing I want to say about this book is it's written by a doctor who's on the spectrum, mm -hmm. right? So she, it's written from this very straightforward point of view, part of some people's autism spectrum diagnoses. I don't know. I don't want to say symptoms. Some of the manifestation is a bluntness, mm -hmm. a literalness. And this book is written with a literalness. It's like translated out of like societal bullshit. It's mm -hmm. translated into normal, like what's actually happening. So yes. there's a bluntness to it. Yeah. That's very, very straightforward. I think this quote might kind of sum it up. Okay. On page nine, which is a foreword by Dr. Wen Lawson, I have like almost every sentence underlined. Being human in all of its many guises has not in the past come with a guidebook exploring sexuality and relationships in such broad terminology as this book does. Yet, sexuality and how we understand it in relation to self and other is at the very heart of being human. These two things impact upon who we are, how we relate, and in what ways we enjoy our humanity like nothing else can. And then this is my favorite. Maybe it's because they are so fundamental that we so often fail to talk about these in such broad terms. Maybe we are threatened by such openness, honesty, and reality. I'm just going to I'm gonna give a little real-life example. Um, yesterday, Barbara. Yes, Vera. It was um, your triplet's fifth birthday. It was. <laughs> <laughs> and they I asked you what I should get them I wasn't sure and you said uh, they're into presidents right now mm -hmm. they had been and still are into maps but they you said mm -hmm. presidents let's just throw that in there so I got them two books um, one on Washington one on Lincoln books that frankly I'd be really disappointed to receive <laughs> like at any point in my life <laughs> but I thought they would like them <laughs> and I handed them to to your two boys and um they said they didn't like them. And <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, me neither. But um, their grandmother, their nanny, said uh, took took one of them aside, the one who had been much more vocal. <laughs> one of them sort of tossed it. And the other one was like, no, I really don't like this. <laughs> and Annie said, that is, you, you really can't do that. You have to, if somebody gives you something, you have to say thank you. You have to be polite about that. It's a little bit rude to say I don't like it. And I was like, okay. Um, so I went to go sit down because you know, I wanted them to have their private conversation. And then this particular twin individual mm -hmm. came in uh, to the living room and um, just reiterated that he really <laughs> did not like that book. <laughs> <laughs> like in case you didn't catch it the first time. Yeah, well, I mean. Um, yeah. Well, they, they, Dr. Goodall talks about the bluntness quite a bit in this book. Page 52, 
I have friends who really like to ask me what I think of clothes when they are shopping, as they are tired of buying clothes that the shop assistant said looked wonderful, only to realize at home it looks terrible. All of us have had that experience of going into a shop and have someone breathing down their neck, oh lying, God, lying to us. That looks really cute on you. Oh. <laughs> One other aspect of this book that I think is incredibly valuable is that this book is not written with any kind of judgment no it's incredibly inclusive because from what i have read there is a much higher actually i might have even read it in this book that there's a much higher percentage of people who identify as trans or on some type of gender fluidity yes and she embraces that there's no sense of shame yeah there's a there's a real neutrality to it yeah here's another one this is a chapter about sexual relationships another thing i really love is she has a lot of quotes from people Mm -hmm. on the spectrum and they again with the bluntness it's like you never know where these quotes are going to go but they're just they're so honest Mm -hmm. so here's one from tj i like open relationships because for me sex and love are two different things I tell each new potential partner that I am only looking for a no-strings relationship, and if we do have sex, then I remind them after that I'm not wanting a relationship, because I have one. But I'm interested in having sex with them again. Of course, if the sex wasn't good, then I don't bother with that. (laughs) Just say goodbye. Oh my god, I would so much rather a goodbye than a I'll call you later. Oh, fuck yeah. She mentions that, page 147, chapter sexual relationships in real life. It is important to understand that when people who are not on the spectrum uh, say they will contact you this does not mean that they will (laughs) this would be translated to literally mean i may or may not call you as i have not yet decided if i'm interested enough in you to bother but it is impolite to say this so i'm saying i will call you even though i might not truth yeah i'd rather somebody say like really politely like hey i had fun uh this isn't gonna i don't see this going anywhere or whatever yeah so that you're not you don't go home with like that weird like hey that was really good i wonder what's gonna happen next you know like getting oh. your hopes up yeah getting your hopes it's confusing you know if someone says i'm going to call you they should call you or or they should say i'm not gonna call you like i would love that i would love somebody to be that blunt well i don't know if i'd want that no i'm just i'm thinking about like my little zoom dates i've had uh-huh since I got on the app and I think my, my favorite way that I, I think I already mentioned this <laughs> is that I just I was talking to someone and there were a couple things I just realized it was not going to go anywhere and so I just said at a certain point I just said oh man I have to go do my dishes uh, it's been really fun talking to you <laughs> well hold on you would rather <laughs> Barbara says she doesn't want to hear somebody say I'm not going to call you but it's it's really awesome that she says I gotta go do my dishes <laughs> Thank you for joining us here at Dady Ladies for part one of the Duffy Sisters review of the Autism Spectrum Guide to Sexuality and Relationships. We are going to have two to three to four other parts to this podcast so you stick around and listen this podcast is dropping by coincidence around the time of what is known as autism awareness month now as the girls mentioned there is a lot to know about the autism community now is a good time as any to educate yourselves If you would like to 
do a little bit of research along with them. As they mentioned, they are still learning. They would like to recommend autisticadvocacy.org and autismacceptance.com. Why don't you give those websites a look? Why don't you tune in to part two, part three, maybe part four, perhaps part five and six? Coming up soon. Contact, connect with these girls at Dady Ladies on Instagram, at Poobell Twins on Instagram, and the Poobell Twins on Facebook. They would love to hear from you. And if you have any of the insights on photographs of Peni, please be sure to share that information with the girls. They asked for it, they meant it, and they would appreciate it. Thank you once again for listening. I will see you again soon.